Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined as always by Brian Gottlieb. And we have a lot of previews to get to. Only MH2 this time. We're not being bombarded by multiple sets at least. But first, Brian, I have some big news. I'm excited for this news. I have I have no idea what this will be. I didn't say it was great news. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. I'm, I'm unexcited. Just tell me no, what it is. No, let's it, get it over with. It actually is great news. Uh, so I got a new office chair. Oh, nice. What kind of chair did you get? Uh, I got a Corsair. Hold on. Let me get the the instruction book that is still sitting on my desk. It is a T2 Road Warrior. I am I'm looking up this chair as we speak. Oh, by the way, this isn't uh, an ad. I don't know why this sounds so much like an ad. I realized as we were doing it. No, this. Um, OK, I, I just I bring this up because it's a big deal, because the chair I had before was it was just one of the things that like ends at your the middle of my back. You know what I mean? Yes, I know exactly what you mean. It was just like this this office chair, like quote unquote office chair that I bought when I started streaming back in like 2014. And I was just like, whatever, I'll just buy a $50 chair. And as time went on, I was just like, why is it so uncomfortable for me to be at my computer? Right. And now, now, man, dude, I could just live here now. Dude, I, I believe that some of the best money you could spend is on things that you like spend all of your time in. And I certainly spend way too much time in my computer chair. Uh, I, I have a very expensive computer chair and it's one of the better purchases I've made. I don't regret it. Although I have to say, looking at this chair, this is this is not a cheap chair. It's quite expensive. I wish you would have just gotten the chair that I have. It's a little bit more than this, but it is, it's like sitting in a cloud, Jerry. You, can, you can't do better than the Herman Miller Aaron. It's just the best chair humanly possible. Noted. I mean, my, my chair is good, man. I. I'm I'm sure the upgrade is tremendous. Like <laughs> yeah, the, the only frame of reference I have is my old chair to this one. And I'm just like, OK, I live here now. Well, I feel like did you never sit in my chair when you came to my place? Like, I don't know, maybe maybe once or that was a million years ago, dude. That was All a right. decade ago. It was it was at least a decade ago. Um, usually that's one of the first things I make all humans do when they come to my house is sit in the chair and understand that they will eventually need this chair to complete their lives. Um, I, I never got any such demands. I, okay. I remember sitting on your couch okay, or just hovering while you were in your chair. It's not like you had multiple chairs for your guests to sit in or anything. So I, I do have multiple chairs down here, but I probably, my, my wife has the same chair I have. I probably didn't bring uh-huh. that from upstairs. I probably just like had one of my kitchen table chairs down here or something like that. I think uh, one of the last times I was at your place, it wasn't like the very last time, but I remember doing like all the stupid YouTube photos in front of the green screen. Mm-hmm. Those photos are gas. We should release those at some point. Uh, we should never release any things we did during <laughs> that period. They should no, just okay. be lost to the vaults of time. We can release mine if you don't want to release yours. No, I, I don't care. It really, it really doesn't matter. Um, uh, you know, a lot of them made, they're on the YouTube page. They made the cut. We used them for our stupid YouTube thumbnails. And uh, I got to say, they do make a difference. <laughs> like when we were using the stupid YouTube faces, you could see a notable difference in the, yes. in the clicks. Yep. Sad but true. Uh, but yeah, man, if if you're ever like, hey, do you want to hang out at your computer? Dude, I'm in. OK, good. That's that's good to know, because that's how I spend most of my time. Uh, that means any type of gaming activities we will be doing. Uh, I will rest easy with the knowledge that you will be sitting there in comfort. Yeah. Uh, so you're moving next week. Yes. 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not going to cast next week. I'm, I'm yep. committing to that. I'm probably not going to write either just because I, I am telling you there's so much stuff uh, that comes with buying a house that I am just completely, totally unaware of. I mean, there's, there's a lot of fault uh, to be passed around for that circumstance. Certainly a lot to me for not actually fully learning about and understanding the process. But like, I don't know, American schools, like teach me how to buy a house. Don't teach me. I don't know, whatever nonsense you taught me. Uh, I remember them teaching me how to balance my checkbook. And I was like, oh, this is basic math. That's it. Or just like, you know, I need to keep track of how much money I have in my account. Like, got it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that skill didn't even turn out to be useful because that happens automatically. So who cares? Right. And, you know, it was like, well, now you can just check your stuff online or why the hell would you have a check when you could have a debit card or whatever? So, right. Yeah, some some ridiculous, uh, quote unquote, skills we were taught. Yeah, so I, I know nothing about what's going on. It's keeping me extremely busy. Uh, Actually, hold up. Maybe they knew. Maybe they knew that we we're not supposed to be uh, wealthy enough to be able to buy a house. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe. I mean, that's that's certainly part of the background, too. I feel like you catch a lot of this by osmosis if you have like a family that's buying real estate and things like that. And that was not really uh, the game plan for my family. So. Yeah, I didn't have any of those. No. So we're learning this all on the fly. It's It's been interesting. You would think like being a former mortgage attorney, I would have some knowledge about this stuff. Uh, I don't though. I know absolutely nothing. And by the way, any lawyer you've ever hired probably also knows nothing. Like it's, it's all a big scam. Nobody knows anything and we just figure it out as we go. So I'm doing a lot of that and it's it's been very stressful. And only the sweet release of Modern Horizons 2 has brought joy to my life this week. Uh, how How are you liking the set then? It seems like positive reception so far. It's a complicated question, Gerald. And in the abstract, I love so many of these cards. And now we're getting to the point where we're getting into the cards that are 100% going to have a huge influence on modern. The first few days, we didn't really have those coming down the pipe, which is fine. I mean, like that that wasn't my problem with what I was seeing. My problem was I was seeing a bunch of awesome cards that excited me that i wanted to build decks around but i knew weren't cut out for the modern format right. i was like can't we find something else to do with these cards why can't they just be standard cards so i'm not losing out on the experience of you know seeing what these cards have to offer um so that was frustrating me and it still frustrates me to some extent like i i don't really love the modern horizons framework because i think the needle you have to thread is so precise to be able to hit the modern format and make something that is like too powerful for standard because otherwise it's not going to generate excitement but not going to crack modern in half it's a really really hard needle to thread and i it's producing amazing exciting cards i just think what happens if you spread out all these amazing exciting cards across the next 20 sets of magic and you know what does that mean for the longevity of the game because design space feels infinite a lot of the times it's finite though like at some point there's only so many ways you can combine all these phrases and words without basically reshaping the parameters and that's something i get really bent out of shape about like things like energy really grind my gears because i i feel like they're stepping outside the base parameters of what magic is yeah, I mean, that's that's totally fair. And I, I feel the same way, too, especially in regards to energy. I was just like, this is so weird. Yeah. Right. It, it like 
didn't feel like magic to just be like tracking this other finite resource, but whatever. In terms of the set itself, there are a lot of cards where I'm like, oh, this is, you know, pretty solid for modern. I'm glad that this exists. Also, this could have been a standard card. There are like mm-hmm. a decent amount of cards like that. So it is, it's kind of weird to see. Yeah. And it it happened with the first Modern Horizons too. I mean, you know, everyone called it Commander Horizons for the first month of previews. And obviously that didn't come to fruition. It was an extremely impactful modern set. It changed the format forever, w- without a doubt. And I have a feeling this will ultimately do the same thing. So it's not like I'm complaining because the power level isn't there. It's just, I, I don't really see the benefit of doing things in this way and not just making these quote unquote real magic cards. The the power level is there. And maybe when we get to specific cards, we can just be like, that could be a standard card. Yeah, I, it's hard though, because obviously the past year has reshaped our opinion of what a standard card could be right like also true if if uro can be a standard card or oko can be a standard card then literally anything can be a standard card basically yeah so i my my line for it is just like okay this could be a standard card and it would not upset the order of things dramatically Mm -hmm. you know and And i think that there are a few of those do, do you think that line is is crossed a few times in this in this set like there's things that have would they would just completely unbalanced standard because i think there's cards that are like if you saw them in standard you'd be like whoa this is clearly the best thing but nothing on the level of a card again like uro like oko which just fundamentally changes everything uh i think i think there might be some okay i'm sure we'll get into all of that as we move through the cards we want to talk about today all right well let's start we're gonna do new cards first and then you know, depending on how much time we have left, there's a bunch of reprints to talk about at the end. And how deep we want to get into that will probably depend on how much time we have left. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any way we can cover everything today. You know, too many interesting cards, too many good cards. And we'll we'll hit what we can and then we'll come back next week and certainly be doing more on this set. Yeah. So going in Wooberg order, uh Scryfall is all nice and updated so we are using that shout out to our friends at Scryfall website is dope and I'm going to start with the white cards number one solitude three dub dub three two creature elemental incarnation flash lifelink when this enters the battlefield exile up to one other target creature that creature's controller gains life equal to its power and you can evoke it to exile a white card from your hand this is the other card or one of the other cards in the grief cycle and uh, another card that is quite good with ephemerate yeah i I guess they just made up their mind that they were going ham on all these cards because this is absolutely pushed and this is like this falls in that order of cards where it's like if this wasn't standard it would be by far the best thing you possibly do but like it's also a removal spell and a small body and encourages playing magic in fairways. So I would rather see a hundred solitudes before I saw a single wilderness reclamation or fires of invention. So that that's kind of where my lens is on cards like this, but that's not super useful in terms of discussing this card. This is just like, is, is it the best removal spell ever printed? I, I don't know. It's, it's gotta be in contention for that slot, right? I mean, I don't know about that. The evoke cost is, is high, right? 
Uh, it, it depends on the level of resources you are playing with, right? That's always the question. Are of course. you in a resource limited format? And for what it's worth, I do think modern does tend to be a more resource limited format than things like standard where games can just snowball for turns and turns and turns because of the condensed time frame. So the cost probably is a little higher there, but also there's better recuperation mechanisms for your raw card quantity where you're just right. able to reclaim that stuff. It, modern is more so pushed on mana efficiency than card advantage, but like right. obviously the the more efficient versions of card advantage do tend to dominate once you're in a matchup where attrition and stalemates happen. Uh, one thing I, I like about this one, and I was kind of waiting to see what it was, was there, there are things like Squadron Hawk, right? That just like give you a bunch of resources and then, right. well, you know, shit, you don't, you don't care about the cost on this card anymore. So there are things like that. There are ways to get around it. It's funny. I had, I had Squadron Hawk in another deck today that I was building. It, it ultimately didn't make the cut, but I see what you're saying. There's like a, a use for these raw resources. Once we're looking at cards like this, um, and, you know, you could still get all up to the old shenanigans with Squadron Hawk. We have Jace the Mind Sculptor back. So that's a pretty cool use for this card and things that are playing very well with each other. So some wheels are turning there. Uh, I, I am surprised just how much this card is able to do. The fact that it has flash is a little surprising to me. Yep. Uh, you know, it, it's it's probably good enough if it doesn't have flash. But, man, that's going to preserve so much life for control decks that just really needed to stabilize in those first few turns. It's going to make going all in on things like infect creatures or your magecraft creatures way more risky. You always have to be contemplating solitude now. Uh, so this is, this is a big game changer for sure. There are, there are also matchups like burn where with a lot of the decks that I played, the game plan often involved mulliganing pretty hard to a one mana removal spell. Mm hmm. And if you go down to like five cards or whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's like that matchup a lot of the times is about having the right things, not necessarily like a bunch of things because, you know, you just need to preserve your life total, maybe counter or counter like their last burn spell or like have a way to gain some life or something. So, yeah, yeah this this just makes it so turn one goblin guide, you know, maybe less of an issue. You have like a lot of breathing room, which is nice and helps. But I'm definitely worried about the ephemerate type of stuff when you start looking at like creature based matchups where it's like this this just kind of like locks the other person out you know really does i mean you've done some work to get to that point and use some resources but uh yeah the the ephemerate combos with all of these cards are going to be pretty painful in a lot of situations and i, I mean if if that's the one thing that really strikes against these cards then I can live with that because I think the deck building cost of ephemerate is pretty high. It is. Um, but I also think these cards are just generally good. Like I was building decks today with grief and a lot of the focus on grief has been, you know, played alongside ephemerate and rightfully so. But I, at some point I just asked the question, like, is this just a real card? And I think the answer is yes. In a lot of circumstances. Yeah. It depends on what you're trying to do. I, I could very easily see grief in, uh, like the old green black death shadow type of decks where mm -hmm. you, you play like some Agadim's awakenings instead of lands and you just try to never play your third land. Yeah, seems completely reasonable. Um, and I, I was doing stuff with grief um, alongside like Cabal Therapist, 
where getting that card may not be good enough for sure. I'll concede that, but getting that free look in a very clutch situation can also be worth quite a lot. Sure. Next card. Sure. Next card. I feel like we're kind of like underselling this card, but there's, there's not really much to say about it, right? It's just an incredibly efficient removal spell. I think pointing out things like squadron Hawk is really good. Um, but it, it kind of does what it says it does on its face. Yeah, it's it's good if your opponent is trying to kill you very quickly. This is a thing that you can turn to uh, to be able to use your mana very efficiently. There are potential scenarios where you lock people out of the game. Uh, this prevents you from getting combo killed by a decent amount of stuff. Like, yep. card, card seems quite good. Obviously, you know, only good against creatures. You can always turn to, like, a creatureless deck or something in order to get around this thing. But, yep. Uh, it's it's good against the vast majority of the format. Yeah, I, I will say like I I would rather these cards be reactive than proactive. So yes. grief is still like the problematic one to me among this cycle. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Esper Sentinel, dub one one artifact creature, human soldier. Whenever an opponent casts their first non creature spell each turn, draw a card unless that player pays X, where X is this thing's power. First read through, did not notice this was a human. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew W over in our discord asked if this is the best uh, creature type byline that's ever appeared on a magic card. And you can make a good case for it. I mean, human and an artifact creature is kind of absurd. Uh, and this is just an okay ability. Like, I, I think this matters enough. And against some decks, it could matter quite a bit. Uh, and if you ever get two or three cards out of your one drop and are also getting artifact synergies or human synergies, I think you're in a very, very powerful place. So a lot to be said for this card's types, for sure. This is the first white card in a very long time where I'm just like, I, I guess I'm, you know, playing white beatdown for the foreseeable future like that. This, this card seems very, very good to me. And are you more interested in the human synergy than the artifact synergy? Or do you think it's just like a total package and you'll find uses for all of it? Uh, I'm initially more drawn to like humans or taxes, like that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this this could be an affinity card, potentially, if you want to do something like that. I I don't know if there's like Urza or, you know, Goblin Engineer or Thopter Foundry type of stuff where like, oh, this being an artifact matters like you could you could emery it or something uh that requires a little bit more finesse i think than just the obvious homes but white decks didn't really have great one drops uh humans felt a little bit short at times like you kind of just have to mulligan any hand without a one drop mm -hmm. right and there were times where i played like an avistan's pilgrim or was like looking for something else yep. and this just means that you have you have so many plus there's the, the other hierarchy too, which we'll get to so it's like humans is now flooded on one drops. You're probably not going to have to mulligan very much. This probably is, you know, the, the, the tax is good. Like people aren't going to have just like extra mana lying around in modern, right? And then humans also does like Thalia's lieutenant stuff. So at some point it's just like, yeah, you're you're not going to be able to pay that tax, right? So then this is giving you like some card advantage, which that deck struggled with too. Uh, the taxes decks also lacked one drops. You eventually got Giver yeah. of Runes to go with Aether Vials. So like that feels a role there and it's just it seems so good to me man yeah subtly powerful i i have big expectations for this card and expect you to see a fair amount of play for sure i am i am white beat down person now that is just who i am 
look, you got to do what you got to do. And there, there's other good tools here, too. So I, I can't fault you for making that move. All right. Uh, Surveillion. So, so yeah, how, how do you do like a V and a Y right next to each other? Uh, look, we all know pronunciation. There's, there's going to be some issues for me when it comes to this set. Uh, this is, this is just one of the many. One UU, three four legendary creature, Merfolk God. This has indestructible as long as you control two other Merfolk. Whenever this attacks, draw a card. Other Merfolk you control have Ward One. This this card, like, you know, by itself is is pretty solid, right? Uh, but similarly to Esper Sentinel, this is just a card that fills like a huge gap in an archetype. We had the Dockhand, where it's like, oh, Merfolk needed a one drop. Mm-hmm. A lot of times Merfolk played like a bunch of crappy three drops just because they, they kind of had to fill out their curve. You know, things like Kira, where like it's solid, but it doesn't fit your deck's theme, really. And this is just kind of the thing that completes it. Right. It just has a bunch of great abilities. Easy mode. I mean, if you if you make a mythic rare in Modern Horizons for your tribal deck, you can you can probably assume that's supposed to be the new curve topper. And I, I think all these abilities are uh, very much in line with what the Merfolk tribe needed to get to a strong enough space. So it, it didn't need more Mero Regeries or it didn't need more right uh kira's it, it needed an effect like this where it's able to get some longevity into the late game you combine that with things like force of negation that have entered the format recently and of course the dock hand uh things are looking quite promising for the merfolk tribe and i i think it's a good thing if that becomes a competitive deck in the space of modern it, it does a lot to check the really uh annoying brutal decks just inherently and i also think like the more tribal decks that can be part of the equation, the healthier modern is. So this, this is a good print. Agreed. Last blue card, Subtlety, 2UU, 3-3, Creature, Elemental, Incarnation, Flash Flying. When this enters the battlefield, choose up to one target creature spell or Planeswalker spell. Its owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library. Evoke, exile a blue card from your hand uh are are we worried about this one this seems like the tamest one to me it does seem like the tamest one but it also only costs four mana and i having flash it plays very well with blue decks like just being a solid finisher for them anyway so i i think this will see some play and the fact that these cards see any play is sort of earth shattering for for modern like if there's just a general one copy of this floating around in most blue control decks then it completely changes everything you have to consider at all points in the game. So while it may not be present in huge numbers, and it is certainly one of the more tame ones, I do think it has a place, and uh, it's 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 a weird shift. I mean, it's it's getting closer to legacy, where just because there's no mana available doesn't it doesn't mean your spell's going to resolve. And I think that uh, opens up a lot of different lines for you know more tap out style control decks. Maybe it opens space for more planeswalkers uh even like jace the mind sculptor to be part of the format again where you're just able to spend that four mana and then you have really solid protection in the form of subtlety and force indication so it's just more indications of a dramatic dramatic change in what the format is going to be about yeah word i don't know how many copies of this i'm interested in playing it's it's I don't like think it's many 
Yeah, it's it's like force of negation. I see the places where you actually want this. This seems like more of uh, I don't want to say value because it's it's clearly not value, right? It's you're 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 getting two for one, obviously. But like, it's just like is is there a deck where I need to like force a will a creature on turn one or turn two? And it's like there are there are some, but I don't know they. They also get it right back if they care. I was thinking about scenarios where it's like, oh, well, this could like protect you from a Karn or an Ugin against Tron, but then they just get it right back. So it means you have to like subtlety it and then probably destroy a land on your turn or something. Uh, so that could be real, though. I mean, like those tempo style plays are kind of what those decks have been missing. And then if you if you get to the point where subtlety is able to do some closing or you find some other, you know, big finisher that's able to shut down your windows a little bit, I think the tempo plan starts to become real again. And you could, you know, maybe it just shifts everything about these decks. Maybe they're reman decks as opposed to hard counterspell decks now. And there's some room for something like that. Or maybe this is opening the door for a Delver style deck where you just look to get on the battlefield early and then really leverage that flip Delver. I mean, obviously it's a creature, so there's some some conflict there, but you see what I'm getting at. There's space for this to open up a more tempo-oriented style of play than just be like a hard hammer for some matchups. I I guess this does help against burn in the same way that solitude does, where you just need to interact early to buy some time. But right, yeah, I guess this this is a card that I would need to see in game to truly grasp like how much the effect actually matters. You know. Yeah, a lot of it is going to be what you can make of the 3-3 flash flying body, I think. If, if that's able to do some work for you, then subtlety might be better than it looks. Fair. Uh, Persist, I believe, is the name of this card. 1B, sorcery, return target non-legendary creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield with a minus one, minus one counter on it. There's there's good targets for this. I mean, we, we kind of did this last week when we were talking about uh, Unmarked Grave. There's Terastodon, which I, th I think is very real and way to close your opponent out of the game very quickly. It's a little scary to me. Um, I, I think you were writing about Unmarked Grave this week. Did you find anything in particular that we should be aware of in conjunction with this card? I, I did write about it. I'm kind of sad that this card got previewed like the day after I finished my articles. Uh, that's awkward. how it goes during preview season. I know, I know. Normally it's not as heavy handed where it's like, oh, first we got the Entomb and now we have the Reanimate or whatever. But right. uh, I think my decks from the article are okay. I think the, the Protean Hulk deck I built looks pretty solid and is definitely something that people are going to need to work on once the set comes out. And then the rest of my decks were like Sun Titan, Unburial Rites, you know, kind of like value mid-range decks, just like Solar Flare decks, I guess. Yep. And this kind of changes the equation a little bit where it's like, well, maybe, yeah, maybe you do want to build just straight Reanimator with like a Terastodon and a Blazing Archon and whatever. Uh, those, those creatures are definitely not as good as they used to be, though. Right, right. And I don't feel like a single Terracidon or sitting behind a Blazing Archon or whatever is actually going to win you the game in most instances. So I don't know. You got you to gotta find something sweet to do with it. I don't know if the minus one, minus one counter does anything for any creature. If there is... Oh, uh, like combo potential? Yeah. Well, like, that's interesting. That's possible, but this this seems solid to me. And... I don't know even if it's like 
the stuff that I was doing, like Season Pyromancer, Sun Titan, Unburial Rights, is like this is a cool addition to that package. And there's also like another reanimate that that we'll get to later. Did you look at Tidespout Tyrant at all? See, that card's okay, but it, it, it's also just the same problem where you like put it into play. It doesn't necessarily have an immediate impact. If they kill it, then you're just out. At least with Legacy Reanimator, your plan was usually to like animate dead it with a cantrip open. So mm-hmm. if they go to swords it, you can like bounce the animate dead and just like keep bringing it back. This is you're just like, oh, I got my thing. And they're just like, you know, path it or whatever. You're right. Like, Damn. You know? <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking of it in conjunction with these these free spells that we have access to um that we can evoke so maybe it's possible to get payout there um I, I don't know i don't know if you can like obviously force negation is not going to cover all the windows for removal but if it covers some of them and i think like tide spout tyrant into grief or something is probably pretty backbreaking and and should set you up well um although certainly you know could still be removed in response and then you didn't really get all that far so uh, it's an interesting puzzle. I'll say that. And if, if you solve it well, it has the potential to break, right? That's always what we look for during preview season. If, if you find a really good setup for this, maybe you do start emulating something close to the legacy reanimator deck. Yeah. And there is potential here for sure. Uh, one of the decks I had was a uh, unmarked grave trash for treasure deck. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to do stuff along those lines and it it's kind of, consistent with the non-legendary clause but just like specifically the artifact creatures too are pretty bad like what do you think the best artifact creature is to potentially reanimate uh maybe like sundering titan which doesn't sound that great yeah we haven't gotten a new one in like over a decade man yeah it's 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 been a long time i i mean i i know that i've experienced doing this search before so the fact that sundering titan was the first thing to come to mind probably means just haven't really touched on it in a long time yeah sundering titan sphinx of the steel wind okay which is like kind of embarrassing against things like death shadow you know yeah uh i think that was it mostly for creatures and then there's like god pharaoh's gift possessed portal and i'm missing another card oh maybe i should have had a bolus of citadel in this deck but I did. Uh, well, that, so, that's that's a maybe. Well, Citadel's legendary, right? Oh, it is legendary. Yeah. Well, so you could you could trash it. You just couldn't grape for it. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, actually, we talked a little bit about this on last week's show. Uh, somebody sent to the Arena Decklist account, uh, Trash for Treasure Citadel list, Grizzly Salvage. Looks solid. Like It, it looked very, very nice, nice to me. So, Love I, it. Yeah, I would keep an eye on that one. That That feels like it has, like, again, broken potential. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. I'm down with that. Uh, yeah, man, the, the artifacts not not great. I was very disappointed. I was like, all right, we have all these new cards, and then it's like we're living in 2006 or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. We. I mean, everything else has gotten power since then, right? Like every conceivable card type you can think of has been powered up, and you're still casting a Sundering Titan. It's kind of wild. Yeah, and Sundering Titan against you know Dried of the Elysian Grove. That sounds sweet. Mm-hmm. I am down to try and accomplish that. Sphinx of the Steel Wind, I don't think is really going to beat anyone. You know, like the prowess decks are just going to like vapor snag you or something. Yeah. 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 Maybe maybe we can occasionally sideboard a Sundering Titan and, and get them get good with that one. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, maybe you just play like Urborg and Yavimaya and just try and like give them okay. basic land types or something. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, man, it was it was kind of disappointing working on this stuff because it's just like, oh, the targets are just so bad. Like non-legendary definitely takes a lot of the wind out of your sails. It's a yeah. smart clause from a design perspective. I'll say that. Like, it is. It's a good it way to make this card exist. Yeah, and then two mana definitely feels a little bit clunky like if you're getting a bullet ox of Agonis, that's cool but trying to do unmarked grave for like lingering souls or smiting helix just feels so mopey right mm. although as soon as you say it my, my eyes kind of lit up i was like "Ooh, nice nice and slow very little value there oh now yeah you're speaking my language oh yeah i mean dude i love it i had i had fun building those decks but then you just you know you finish your work of art and you look at it and you're just like this is actually pretty bad i think yeah. This has been a common theme through a lot of my deck building so far with Modern yeah. Horizons too, And it goes back to my point. Like, I, I, I want to build these decks and I want them to be good and interesting. Uh, but a lot of them just can't be because of the constraints of Modern. Yeah, so Persist, cool card. Uh, jury's still out. Sounds good. Ragavan, Nimble Pilferer, R21, Legendary Creature, Monkey Pirate. Whenever this deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token and exile the top card of that player's library until end of turn, you may cast that card. Dash 1R. Note that you can't spend mana of any color to cast the card, right? right. So you have to like cast it off the treasures and stuff. Yep, so good, that, good distinction. I, I think that matters, although I will say we're dealing with modern. Things tend to be pretty cheap. There's a good chance you'll, you'll pull something that is immediately castable, and that's a good feeling. Um, I, I think this is worse than Goblin Guide in most contexts. I, I do think it's very good and there's a lot of room for a card to be worse than goblin guide and still playable i put this in quite a few of my decks i've been building the last few days one of the things i think is really interesting about this card that at first escaped my purview but as i built more and more stuff i got more interested in it uh another one mana legendary creature and there's actually a lot of those now and yeah. you start looking at mox amber and that card seems very promising with the release of this set. We're going to talk about more cards that play well with Mox Amber as we go through the show. Um, but Raghavan really stood out to me as a, a good way to do that. Also, like its ability lets you benefit from having that extra mana, even if your deck does trend a little cheaper, which most of these decks will, right? You're going to have like Kytheon, maybe an Isamaru and uh, Thalia. So... It, they're going to be low to the ground. I think having something else to invest your mana in is really cool. And this card kind of does it all. Uh, certainly going into a Lava Dart format, I would keep track of that. I think it's going to die a lot. But uh, at one red mana, you, you don't care all that much. Obviously, you prefer it lives, but you can stand to have your creature die. So I'm excited about this card, even if my initial worse than goblin guide assessment uh, does damper the enthusiasm a little bit, but still quite good. I mean, it's worse than Goblin Guide in exactly Burn, but if you were ever doing anything that's closer to a mid-rangey red deck, then this card is awesome. Yeah, I, I guess I'm like somewhat skeptical of a mid-rangey red deck's ability to exist in the modern. Like, I, I'm not saying it can't happen, just Burn is going to more likely be the default mode for red. So as like a red identifying card, I think this is worse. But your point is a valid one. It, it does more things than Goblin Guide does for sure. Yeah, it's it's just like a little slower, a little bit more value-y, you know? So I, I don't think that making that direct comparison is exactly fair. But sure. I do I do agree that like, you know, 
Red decks historically have not trended that way in modern for a lot of reasons. So there, there are reasons to be skeptical of it. But I mean, this thing, if it gets through, is accelerating you, maybe giving you some card advantage. Like those things are powerful, right? So maybe we try and build our red decks a little bit differently. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I think there's something to be said for a deck like Jund even that is playing that more mid-range role, but struggles a bit when the game goes long. It doesn't really have those those long game tools in comparison to the rest of the format. So maybe condensing it down to be a little bit more aggressive, you know, being able to go Ragavan into disruption, into disruption, that, that sounds like a pretty good spot to be in and maybe gives decks like that a little bit more uh, of a chance in the format, among other things which are happening for the Jun tribe, which I'm sure we will get to. Yes. Calibrated Blast to our instant reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land card. Put the revealed cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. When you reveal a non-land card this way, this deals damage equal to that card's mana value to any target. Flashback 3RR. Uh, I played Erratic Explosion Draco in a Pro mm-hmm. Tour. Okay, so are you looking forward to doing it again, is my question. Uh, so we have, like, Autocathon Worm? Is that the biggest thing? I think that is the largest thing, yes. But th- there's some more, like, reasonable cards you could actually play showing up in this set that have very high converted mana costs that maybe that'll be the way to do this thing. That's true. So uh, what I was doing was Insidious Dreams, which is uh, four mana, discard X, Vampire Tutor for X. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you would draw the explosion and then use it and put the Draco on the bottom or whatever. And hopefully 16 was good enough. Uh, that was also in during Ideal Shell. And for a long time, this was my best Pro Tour finish. I killed two, well, I won two games with the Iraq Explosion stuff in the entire tournament. Okay. So it was, it was not a lot of killing <laughs> with that. But the theory was like, oh, you know, Zoo is going to like fight your enchantments with combi Ancient Law and stuff. And like this yep. thing can potentially just kill them with all the Shocklands and stuff, right? So uh, in, in theory, that plan was good. This, if it deals like 15 or maybe, you know, 12 and you have like Snap Bolt or something, uh, then yeah, maybe it could happen. I mean, I don't know how you're setting it up. Scheming no. Symmetry is the first one I thought of. That's like super all-in combo, right? And... It's not like we have Mystic Sanctuary or something to put like a big card on top or whatever. So I don't know. Uh, you got to you got to show me how you're setting it up first. But I uh, think for it to be worth it, it, it has to be like a near certain kill. So if there is ever a 20 mana card in the future, then you might be able to sell me on this being a real thing in modern. Uh, I, I don't think we will ever see a 20 mana card, maybe specifically for that reason. Um, but it just seems like a line that won't be crossed anytime soon, uh, but I will reevaluate this card at that juncture. Yeah, my, my point is just uh, I've done this before. It is within my range. Okay. I can and will do it again. Good. Keep keep people honest. Let them know you're setting that one up. Obsidian Charmoth, 3 RR Creature Dragon. This spell costs one less to cast uh, for each land your opponent's control that could produce colorless. Flying. When this enters the battlefield, destroy target non-basic land and opponent controls, and it, it is a 4-4. Four, four. Nah, I, I don't know, man. Like, obviously, there are circumstances where you'll just get your Eldrazi Tron opponent, and they'll be shot out of the game, and that's, that's nice. But you also could be facing down a Karn at that point in time. Uh, I, I think the default 
mana sources would have to change quite a bit in modern where there was something that was always producing colorless that you could count on being on most battlefields and then you could just like play this card safely but as a sideboard card i think you just have access to better things and uh I- i'm not super excited about this card this card's awesome all right check it they're they're on the play and you have a turn one mana creature right so they go like tron land tron land you go mana creature boom stone rain dragging you yeah yeah I mean, you, you could have just played stone rain yeah like. but now you have a clock that's the problem is like jun could never clock you know you like fulminator them and since you're not pressuring them they eventually just like right. rebuild you, and kill you, you you could have ruined blastered i mean granted this is that, that costs cheaper that costs four and yeah. yeah uh avalanche riders same cost yep uh and then think about like the red green you know like pillage ponza deck I, like that this is if this card works right if it's if it's like a, a stone rain plus a dragon or whatever it's a perfect card for that deck uh i don't think you can main deck this necessarily right but i do think that this is a potential sideboard option maybe you're not going to do it over cleansing wildfire right. a lot of the time but it could be like a 3-1 mix or something anyway i i, I said that we were going to talk about like cards that could be in standard or whatever i think that uh Esper Sentinel is potentially one of them. And this is this is another one where it's like, yeah, the, the first line doesn't really make a lot of sense in the context of standard. You know, like, who cares about lands that produce colorless or whatever? Right. But it's just like, this This is just a potentially standard card, you know? Good effect Fi- to have around in general. Yeah. So these are, these are the things where it's just like, it d- definitely does not blow the doors off of standard. It's just like, okay, maybe it's a solid card or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think this card will see fringe play. I think it is solid. I think if you look at it like, oh, this doesn't outpace, you know, their their Tron lands or whatever, and it's like a Fulminator Mage didn't either. It was always player draw. Fair. Right? Okay. That's and fair. now, now if you're on the play, this is still as good as Fulminator. And if you're on the draw and have a hierarch, this is, you know, the same if not better. So. Okay, I, I guess you have convinced me that this has a spot as a reasonable sideboard card. Hell yeah. Uh, Dragons, Rage, Channeler, R11, Creature Human Shaman. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, surveil one. Delirium, as long as there are four or more card types among cards in your graveyard, this gets plus two, plus two. Has flying and attacks each combat if able. Keywords aside, another card that you could very easily put in the standard. I think so, uh, but I, I think this card will be better in modern than it will ever have been in standard because you do have such efficient ways to get to your delirium setups. Uh, this showed up in a lot of my decks today, and when I first saw it, I was I, I wasn't over the moon about it. I, I thought it had potential, but uh, in a lot of spaces, I I just think it's outclassed by a lot of other options. But I started building a lot of decks which were naturally doing delirium stuff and and naturally discarding cards early and wanted to keep very low mana curves and this just was ticking a lot of boxes for me uh i I built a version of death shadow which actually used this card and was like a more aggressive leaning death shadow list uh had a few one mana three threes one of which we will get to in a little bit and that seems promising to me I, i think there's something there something you could do with that setup i also had some like 
very weird all-in style decks where uh, you were consistently setting this up to be a 3-3 on turn two, along with some other 3-3s on turn two. So it's, it's just trivial to achieve this goal in the modern format. You also get a lot of value out of surveilling when you have things, you know, like Lingering Souls, Bloodgast, random cards like that. Um, and you're, you're always looking to do the Mishra's Bauble type stuff anyway. So I think you'll find opportunities to take advantage of this card. I think this card is great. It is way more palatable for modern than Delver actually is. And As it stands, yeah. And, and at this point, like red might even be a better Delver leaning color than blue. Cause it's not like, you know, you're dazing, force of willing, whatever. It's like the counter spells all just kind of suck. Mm-hmm. So you just get to play this and, you know, lightning bolt and whatever else you want. Uh, the one thing that I want to note is like even in decks that can enable this, is it better than Swift Spear and Souls Card Mage? Depends. I, I think that's a fair question. Uh, again, the decks I was building were kind of creature dense. They weren't really like the typical prowessy cast a bunch of spells in one turn. Uh, now, are those decks better than the prowess decks? Probably not would be my guess. But if you have a reason to not be doing that method of deck construction and to be more involved in like permanents and creatures then i could see this being better than those cards in those shells yeah it's it's definitely interesting and i like what the card is telling me to do mm-hmm. uh i i would i would find it very fun to like build around this card and put it in decks and i don't know we talked we talk about things in the context of standard right it's like this is a card that i want in historic Mm. which is another that's the reason. format i keep coming back to it's, it's really hard to know that we're never going to get to play these cards on arena which is the primary way i play magic at this point so yeah so it, even if it meant like the cards filter through standard just to go to historic then yeah. I, I would be happy with that in a lot of instances but these cards are also like kind of live to just be in an anthology at some point or a jumpstart kind of thing so there there's hope but it's like yeah, wow, that would actually this would actually be like a really cool card for historic. And I mean, I don't know where this project stands. We haven't heard about Pioneer on Arena in a very long time. I I assume it's DOA. I don't know that. Um, I I would much rather efforts move towards uh, Modern Horizons Masters and getting that onto Arena in some form. Taking out the stuff that doesn't work. Because I'm sure there's like yeah. coding issues with a lot of these cards. That's that's fine. There's, I understand. There's a lot of mechanics. Yeah, and you know, get rid of them, but find the things which do work and the things that could really spice up that format and, and get them onto historic. Ignoble Hierarch, G01, Creature, Goblin, Shaman, Exalted, Tap, Add, BR, or G. What's there to say? I mean, one of the problems I was running into this week looking for cards to write about is that I think these cards are super interesting, but like, seriously, what does my article about this card say? Put it in your Jun colored decks and accelerate your mana. It's going to be great. It's it's going to change those decks and shift the way they're built and allow them to be more aggressive. Allow them to play on curve where they currently can't. Uh, this card's super impactful, and you know all the reasons why because you've seen Noble Hierarch before. Do you put it in a typical Jund mid range deck? I think Jund mid range is an outdated way of playing the modern format. So. The answer to that is I wouldn't play a typical Jund mid-range deck. I'd look to reconfigure Jund to be more aggressive leaning, and this card would be a part of that. Uh, I I agree with that, but also I think the answer is just yes. 
<laughs> like it could be e- even if you're playing old school jund i think you still put it in your deck uh abzan is traditionally like more controlling like you don't you don't have reach of bolts and the haste from blood braid and like raging ravine clocking people and stuff so like it was normally a, a control deck right mm-hmm. and they played noble hierarch and all the same discard spells and stuff like that and it's it served them well to do that in a lot of instances and I don't know. People people overestimate that and just like, oh, it's it's like bad to cascade into or whatever. It's like, is it? Is it actually bad? Because I don't know. Now your your blood braid's a four three and you have a bunch of mana. And right. if it means that you cast blood braid on turn three, like that's also very good. Uh your point to you know old school Jund not being good in modern, I agree with. The format has kind of passed them by. And in that case, well, maybe you should look at having something that accelerates your mana so that you can turn to Liliana instead of having to try and like do it on turn three and play catch yep. up. Yeah, I mean, we we did this. We've we've been down this road with Deathrite Shaman, and that made John the best deck in modern for a period. So uh, to the point where it was banned. And certainly that card does a lot of other things too. And I, I think it is still better than this card. Uh, but, you know, you can be worse than Deathrite Shaman and still have a huge impact on the format. So... Yeah, this this card's a goblin. It's a shaman. Both of those are relevant creature types. Yeah. Uh, I think eight hierarchs is worth noting too, for uh, especially infect that that yep. should be a difference maker. Yeah, and you means you get to stack exalted triggers, which is certainly very good too. So this card is going to show up all over the place. It, I'm not super happy about just like the design of it, but whatever. It's it's a powerful card. Could be the most important card previewed thus far uh, I, I think it just has the most ready-made homes and the one that changes a lot of existing decks uh guy is will no no mana cost sorcery to spend four for a g until end of turn you may play land cards and cast spells from your graveyard if a card would be put in your graveyard from anywhere this turn exile that card instead uh yog muscle is good uh people have played underworld breach granted because there are combos with it what the hell do you do with this thing? If you suspend this on turn one, I, I think you like basically guarantee that combo turn. However, it's so bad at any point after that, that it's basically unplayable, which means that you can't realistically build your deck around achieving that unless you're doing like finale of promise, uh, electro dominance, like that, that stuff has to be built into it too. And then once you're doing that, those aren't the type of cards that really benefit from Gaia's Will for the most part. Exactly. And as foretold, has the like once one, per turn clause. One spell per turn, yes. So I, I, I don't have an answer for you is the unfortunate uh, response I have right now. I, I like abstractly powerful. I'm interested in exploring it, but I, I don't know what to do with it as it stands. Same territorial Kavu. I have to go through all the gold cards now. RG for a star star creature Kavu domain. This thing's power and toughness are each equal to the number of basic land types among lands you control. Whenever this attacks, choose one, either discard a card if you do draw a card or exile up to one target card from a graveyard. Do we need more Tarmogoyfs? Well, we got one, so it doesn't really matter whether we need them or not. I. There's there's another good domain set up 
in this set. And it, it is quite good in no small part because we do have the triomes now. So yep. you're just going to hit all five lands on turn two a lot. And if this is a two mana five, five with two not amazing, but fine abilities, like discard a, discarding a card and drawing a card in an aggressive deck can be a really big deal. You don't want to flood out. You're not going to play natural card advantage. So you can really benefit from small numbers of that effect. If it's stapled onto a five, five for two mana, uh, and it's also controlling Dredge or whatever reanimation sh shenanigans the format might be up to. That sounds pretty promising to me. And I, I think this is what a pure aggressive card has to look like in order to get traction in a format like Modern. It either needs to cost one and just beat you to death so quickly that there's not much you can do about it, or it needs to be two and absolutely huge for that cost. So I actually believe this could see play. There's very few just raw rate cards I believe are capable of doing that at this point in modern. Territorial Kavu is one of them, though. It is a Tarmogoyf that you can play in your Give Mizzet deck. It's a good use for it, too. That was my main takeaway from it. Uh, yeah, playing like Domain Zoo or something along those lines, I don't know exactly what that would look like. I've seen like some list floating around that didn't look very good to me but i don't know maybe it's okay if nothing else it's like oh you have an extra tool if you want this and want to build around it yeah and domain zoo has had moments of like prominence in modern's past they're, they're brief they come and go very quickly uh but sometimes the format just lines up well for it and uh if it continues to get good tools as i think it did in this set maybe we could see that happen again General Ferris Rakiric, 1R dub, 3-1, legendary creature human soldier, hexproof from monocolored. Whenever you cast a multicolored spell, create a 4-4 red and white golem artifact creature token. No idea where this slots. This is like an entirely fair-ish card. Like three mana, three ones in modern are so hard uh, to, to actually break through and get to the threshold of power but it's pretty easy to see turns where this just goes off i think you do need to untap so like does going off on turn four with a couple of manamorphoses and you know burning tree emissaries that you didn't play on turn two for some reason or whatever is that actually worth it i think it's mostly going to be a no in the modern context um but i, I could be mistaken here i, I definitely want to revalue uh and 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 go back and count all the ways to do like one mana multicolor spells things like i don't know rakdos cackler exists and i i know there's many many more out there i will have to take a good look at what is their figure of destiny i guess is like technically out there so th there are real ways to trigger this reliably and easily uh I, I just don't know if you're getting the payoff you're looking for yeah hexproof from monocolored is pretty solid though it dodges most of the commonly played stuff. Uh, Fatal Push, Lightning Bolt, Path to Exile, any of these uh, silly elementals that are going to see play. It, it, it definitely is avoiding a lot of the big heavy hitters and doing a good job blocking some big threats as well. You know, blocking uh, Death Shadow over and over. That, that matters. Oh, it's hexproof, not protection. Oh, okay, okay. Mm, but less, less high on that but well, i mean you're going to be able to make a, a pretty wide battlefield to be able to block if you get to untap you, you should get your untap step yep yeah and i mean we have we have eight irx uh we have a lot of good gold cards that you mentioned 
Uh, I don't know if you want to do like burning tree emissary hero precinct one, like a Tarkus command type of stuff or, or wait, what, wait, but... is metamorphose actually banned now? No. Okay. I just had this moment where I'm like, I, I don't know what cards are legal anymore. It's, it's been so long. I, I had that thought the other day too. Okay. Just checking. But yeah, uh, you know, prow- prowess decks are still good. Good. But yeah, it is, it is weird. <laughs> that It's just like, uh, this this card's still busted, right? Is it still legal? I know that they just you know banned Spirit Guide and maybe some other stuff. Who right, knows? right. I think Spirit Guide is where I was crossing my crossing my signals up. But yeah, it, it's it's been a while uh, since I've been hard engaged with the modern format. I come in and out. I I check deck lists, and you know I, I mentioning the prowess deck. Of course, Metamorpho is still a very important part of that. So yeah. All right. Next up, uh, Asmore. That, that's all I'm going to say. It's, it's people a have been word. waiting for me to pronounce this card all week and guess what friends do i have a surprise for you i'm not going to pronounce it uh i think jimmy wong posted like a pretty easy way to to pronounce it i'm easy in quotes i suppose i'm just calling it asmore uh it was good enough for aaron forsyth in his article today or nice. yesterday, whenever this was previewed, it's good enough for me. I wrote about this card for Star City this week. Article should go up probably tomorrow is my guess. All right, let, uh, let me let me read it before you say yeah, anything else. Legendary creature, human wizard, 3-3, three, three, uh, no mana cost. As long as you've discarded a card this turn, you may pay H, where H is either red or black, to cast a spell. When this enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a card named the Underworld Cookbook, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle. Uh, it's it's a one man artifact. It's solid. It makes foods, and you can sacrifice two foods. Target creature deals six damage to itself. Yeah, if if you want the tech on text on Underworld Cookbook, it's one mana uh, artifact. Tap, discard a card, create a food token. Four tap, sacrifice Cookbook, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Tight. Uh, this card's gas. You actually sniped me on writing about this. Yeah, this this was the first card I saw all week, and. It's changed in recent days for sure, but this was the one where I was like, yes, finally something I'm super excited to write about because it hits right at that perfect spot of power where it's not just like, you know, uh, it's not like Hierarch, which is like very obvious what this does and you know where it's going to slot and kind of simple on its face. It's weird. It's complicated. It's not broken. Uh, like I, it just doesn't do anything that's fundamentally too good for the modern format, but it's right there on the cusp of play, playability. And I think that's the most interesting thing in modern horizon season is just finding those cards and parsing out exactly what they're capable of doing. I've played uh, like bullshit red black decks way too much. And this, this card just like speaks to me. I will say that the, the sacrifice two foods thing could potentially like lock someone out, you know, like provide yeah. you a pretty, pretty big advantage. But that's, that's about as close to being broken as it comes. It's just like this, this engine card that feeds off of your other engine cards and uh, works well with a lot of cards that I like playing. So I, I really like this card a lot. I don't know if the strategies are quite there, but perhaps you can shed some insight with it. I built about eight decks around this card for my article they feel fine i don't know that i would take any of them to a modern tournament that was going on like this weekend uh i i think in a lot of instances they are sort of more fancy versions of already existing archetypes 
and you're often passing up some pretty powerful stuff um, to be able to do this. But it also combines with some really powerful cards. Like I actually did a search of every single card in modern with the word discard on it. There was, I believe, 706 cards and I read them all. And the ones that you're ultimately going to care about are not going to surprise you. They're, it's 10 cards that are like widely played for the most part and are completely there on power level. There's Street Wraith is, is the big one. That's the easiest setup you can have and it enables you to play this on turn one. Liana the Veil is interesting. Collective Brutality is interesting. Smuggler's Copter, uh, Goblin Lore, Burning Inquiry. It, it's, it's all stuff that has been around, has seen play. And there's some weirder stuff that I messed around with. I have like a Blue Moon uh, Magma Opus deck, which I, I actually thought was pretty good. If you get in a spot where you're like Underworld cookbooking back your Torrential Gear Hulk, I, I think you're, <laughs> you're very well set up. Having oh, an early 3-3 to block is acceptable. Uh, converting resources in the late game to life can matter a lot for control decks. And then there's even like weird, uh, put your underworld cookbook back in the deck with your Jace, shuffle it up and then grab it again with your next copies. So, uh, it was a fun deck to build and it, it was interesting. Prismari command was another point where you're able to, you know, get your discard trigger, uh, besides just magma opus. And th there's a bunch of them out there. Once you go looking for it, really fun to build around. The one that appealed to me the most was probably like red, black death shadow. Uh, using the other Modern Horizons red one drop, the dragon card. But this is also another good one for Mox Amber, which is another card that I built a deck around. Um, there's, there's just this very, very high threshold of one mana legends in the format now. And you can do like Insolite Neonate to set it up. You still can play Street Wraith in that deck. So a, a lot of good ways to get this going, get it rolling. Um, what else was interesting from my article? Oh, I, I had a look at Racto Sacrifice, actual like Witch's Oven, Cauldron Familiar. Which I was going to ask about that. Yeah, so that hasn't translated to, to modern yet, right? For the most part, it doesn't work because you are uh, spending all your money or spending all your mana <laughs> and your money if you're buying all these cards, uh, spending all your mana affecting the battlefield and not really doing the things that matter in modern like that's good in historic controlling creatures is very important but in modern you know, your opponent will just play a primeval titan or storm combo off something that doesn't participate in that game whatsoever so why does this matter why could this potentially change things i, I built it as an ether vial deck so you get to ether vial this into play on turn one if you ever have that set up so you have a turn one three three which is really nice um you also are now able to like do your mayhem devil woe strider stuff while still doing the disruptive stuff in earlier turns where usually you kind of have to commit to one or the other. Now you can thought seize inquisition, uh, post board cleansing wildfire to keep them off of these problematic things that you can't go over the top of. And when you combine that with like this accelerated three, three clock, I think it becomes kind of interesting. I don't know if it's there, but it's certainly the most promising thing I've seen in that Rakdos sacrifice kind of vein. Yeah, I was excited for this plus cat oven and then uh trying to do like blood blood gasp goblin bombardment stuff, maybe with some more discarded for value stuff. Uh yep. didn't didn't end up like sketching out a list or anything because I saw that you know you you shotgun the topic or whatever, but it is interesting to me. I do think that it is a little bit too small ball unless the format becomes like all humans or, or something like that. You know, humans are yep. folk. Yep uh yeah obviously this against primeval titan is not great but like 
Bombardment, Mayhem Devil, Ace of Rival is not a card I thought of, which sounds good in the archetype. But I, I could see situations where you have like Bombardment, Mayhem Devil, some Blood Gas, some Fetch Lands or whatever, and you can just combo kill people. I think so. Uh, I, I didn't play Bombardment in my list. I, I certainly could have, and that might just be a mistake. So uh, I, I would have to think about that a little bit more. Maybe that's better. I also did setups with like, you know, Lingering Souls, Blood Gas, right. Cabal Therapist type stuff, where certainly that is a uh, no-brainer inclusion that I just slept on. I'm not used to having access to that as of now. Uh, so, so maybe go back and slot that into some of the deck lists that I put forth for this week. Yeah, card's pretty exciting to build around. I think so. I, I had a good time building the decks. I actually went a little longer than I wanted to. And I just like kept building. At first, I was just going to have a few decks at the end of the article and do like my list of top 10 cards to combine uh, with Asmore. And then I just kept building more and more decks as I had more and more ideas pop into my head. Nice. Asmore ideas. Hmm. Priest of Fell writes, Dub B22, Creature Human Warlock, tap. Pay three life, sacrifice this, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, activate only as a sorcery, and unearth for three dub B. How do you feel? Uh, pretty good. I, I, I think this card is fine-ish. Uh, having an unearth way to get a, another reanimation trigger is pretty cool because that's a very difficult ability to interact with. Uh, I, I think you'll get it to go off in a lot of those circumstances. So you can build around like getting to do some of the more powerful lock elements. Uh, this probably slots alongside all those cards we talked about previously. It's just some redundant ways to make that happen and good turn three setups where you like play this on two. You get to untap with it. Turn three, you put your card in the graveyard and, and do your thing. Um, also plays well with like Luris. That's a nice little combination. So I, I like this card. I, I don't know if it's there on modern power level, um, but certainly something like this was needed if just pure reanim reanimator is going to become an archetype. So I started with this as like a two of is just like kind of a, a value card in some of the decks that I was building and eventually realized that, you know, like unmarked grave for either protein Hulk or unburial rights is cool as long as you have a way to sack the Hulk. So I was playing like more Viscerous Ears or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but like you, you can unmark Grave for an uncounterable version of Unbearable mm. Rights. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a little more expensive, but it's just like, oh, well, th this, because of that alone, it should definitely see play in, in some of these decks, right? Just because they, they might not care. They're just like, oh, I'll counter your reanimation thing or whatever. It's like, haha, joke's on you. Uh, but then some of my decks were like Sun Titan decks too. And then this gives you a little bit of resiliency there. So I like this card and that's even outside of just like, you know, playing four of this, four persist, four on Mark Grave and just playing normal reanimator stuff. So this, this card seems cool to me. Yeah, a, a little fragile for the format for sure. Um, but I, I think you can live with that given potential payoffs you're going to get from this card. Yeah, so it, it's probably a must kill. And then... Uh, it's just like a delaying tactic, right? Because this is still threatening to come back at some point and do something. And also in one of my decks, this is like not quite as good as the ephemerate thing, but this is fine with grief too. Okay. I could see that. So you do, did you do anything where like um, you were kind of split plans, ramping and 
reanimating because I see this playing well in both those circumstances, right? Where you have a, a deep play for five mana as you get into that stage where you've like developed your mana a little bit, um, but but also is there for like the early reanimation spots as well. Uh, I mean, I wasn't like ramping, but I definitely had like high land counts in my deck. So I was definitely okay. trying to get to like five or six mana. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder if there's something you can do um, with some of the more powerful like ramp spells. Maybe it's an explorer type shell or, you know, something where you're just not giving up your card quantity to still get to that place. I, I'd want to look into that as well. Fair. Grist the Hunger Tide, 1BG, Legendary Planeswalker, Grist, Loyalty, 3. As long as this isn't on the battlefield, it's a 1-1 insect creature in addition to its other types. Plus 1, create a 1-1 black and green insect creature token, then mill a card. If an insect was milled this way, put a loyalty counter on this and repeat this process. Minus 2, you may sack a creature. When you do, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Minus 5. Each opponent loses life equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. I, similarly to the Rakdos nonsense, I also like Golgari graveyard nonsense. This has a very weird static ability where you can like, you know, green sun zenith for this. Obviously that's, that's banned in modern, but it's stuff like that where it's like there are a lot of weird interactions and I haven't quite parsed all of them yet so i'm not sure exactly what the best thing to be doing with this is uh also this is a card i would want for historic not modern because it seems like yep. you're doing graveyard creature type stuff and it's like why aren't you just stretching you know yep this is a card that broke my heart earlier in the week because i think it's so cool and so incredible and that is the thing i kept coming back to i'm like well if this does anything it probably has to be almost combo ish and you have to put your whole deck into your graveyard and it's like well if i'm trying to do that why aren't i just dredging and the answer is because i'm stupid like you you should just dredge uh and unless there is some other synergy where like you're able to just take advantage of this as a fair card and you get some ancillary bonus beyond that so unearth comes to mind as like a, a very reasonable magic card which combines well with grist yep um if you're doing like birthing pod stuff which you can't do anymore um this would this would play there any type of reanimation shell promising uh but but all of it leads to something which just isn't that powerful extremely small ball again and not even like small ball in the way that asmore is small ball in a slow way too and that's really problematic so if you're not having a dramatic impact on the battlefield like on turn one ever then it's really hard to make a sale. Like even if you accelerate to this on turn two, are you really accomplishing that much? Like, like maybe you're controlling your opponent's battlefield more effectively, but there's also going to be more ways to pressure this. There's going to be haste threats. There's going to be, you know, lightning bolts going directly at this uh, to say nothing of a myriad of other ways to just directly answer this. So I love this card. I hope it finds a place in this format. But other than just some weird niche interactions, I don't really have anything for you right now. Same. Uh, I wasn't planning on writing about this card specifically, so I haven't done quite the deep dive on it. But once I have some free time, I will. Yeah, I think it's worth it. I, I think it'll it'll be a lot of fun to put together decks with this. But uh, one of the things about building modern decks that you and I talked about is that it takes a lot of time, a lot of research, a lot of effort. If you want to do uh, it right. If you want to do it right. Yeah, and that's that's tough come modern horizon season because you have so much information to take in and so many new cards coming out that it 
it really puts a burden on you to come together with some solid deck lists. Sword of Hearth and Home, three mana, artifact equipment, equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from green and from white. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, exile up to one target creature you own, then search your library for a basic land card. Put both of those cards onto the battlefield under your control, then shuffle and equips for two mana. I don't necessarily think this card is going to see play, but it is awesome. I kept looking for spots where I could play it in my deck building today, and it just wasn't quite there. Uh, I defaulted to like Sword of Fire and Ice, even when I did have Stoneforge Mystic and, uh, you know, Sword of Feast and Famine, Batter Skull. I wanted this to be my choice because you could see spots where like you get so much value from this card, like getting all of your equipment from your deck right away is really cool when you're using it in conjunction with Stoneforge Mystic. Uh, the protection colors are pretty good. I mean, like protection from white seems like it's going to get a bit better given the white removal in the set. Uh, and just ramping is really powerful in most formats, though. I mean, modern is so mana condensed that I think this is not quite bringing home the impact you would want it to. And I, I'm with you. I love this card, but it hasn't quite cracked into my deck list yet. Yeah, I think this is maybe my favorite sword design uh, just in general, but I, I want it to be able to see play and we'll see if it gets there. I kind of doubt it, but if it if it does, it would make me very happy. I'm with you. Scion of Draco, 12 mana, 4-4, four, four, artifact creature, dragon, domain. The spell costs two less to cast for each basic land type among lands you control, flying. Each creature you control gains Vigilance if it's white, Hexproof if it's blue, Lifelink if it's black, First Strike if it's red, and Trample if it's green. Uh, this is not too hard to play this for two mana. It is not. It, it's quite easy, I think. And so, yeah, two mana, 4-4 four, four Flyer. That works with Stubborn Denial. If you have creatures that get abilities, is that actually good enough? I think it's close. Uh, I think in conjunction with Territorial Kavu, you have to at least look at the idea of playing this domain setup and seeing what it does for you. Uh, obviously, like you're you're going to get some pretty good abilities when you're using cards like Territorial Kavu as well, and and covering a lot of your your color pie basis. So, uh, Trample First Strike going to be challenging for it's it's First Strike for Red, right? Yeah, yeah, going to be challenging for most of these decks to deal with, uh, at least in combat. So I'm into this. I, I like the idea of these domain zoo lists. Are they going to be better aggressive decks than the prowess decks? I think is the question you're always going to have to come back to. I think in the default, the answer is almost always going to be no, but prowess has a way of shaping the format around it and it might influence the removal being played. And if so, that could really leave a door open for a slightly bigger zoo deck and we've seen that before right like the smaller creature deck getting eventually outclassed by the larger creature deck it's the, kind the, of an old school tale the problem is that like monastery swift spear is not, you know it's technically a small creature or whatever but it's not uncommon for it to be able to attack through a termagoyf you know uh yeah yeah that is part of the drawback that we're dealing with here yeah you're definitely not a lock to just be like oh i played a five toughness creature i'm safe so it is it is kind of awkward but in a format maybe with like a lot of lightning bolts it's like well now you have like these four fours and five fives that you can play maybe that's good and you want to do that instead of death shadow scourge for some reason i don't know well uh, that's <laughs> one of the questions we always have to come back to with modern is when you have these 
very established baseline decks. Uh, why are you doing something else? And that's a hard question to answer sometimes. Last new card. Yavamaya, Cradle of Growth, Legendary Land. Each land is a forest in addition to its other land types. Uh, this is the one card that finally got me where I'm just like, yeah, this is something you could do, but is it something you should do? Like, do we need more Urborgs in our lives? Probably not. Uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't like immediately offended by this card's existence because like we already live with the shadow of Urborg on the format. Uh, and like, I, I don't know if this unlocks anything. Does it need to exist? No, I'll give you that. Like there's, there's, there's not a lot that this existence is doing to really uh, benefit modern games it's, it's just going to be more of the same but it, it didn't really hit me the same way it hit you i guess uh arbor elf nykthos is the best thing i came up with okay that's cool and like lotus field if you want to do that but yeah yeah i don't, I don't know we, we kind of like already have ways to do similar stuff uh th this is the cleanest application for sure and I don't know, aren't you just playing like a, a big explosive deck that's a turn slower than the other big explosive decks that just kind of kill you when they do their thing? Kind of. I mean, when like, I don't know if devotion tracks all that well to modern. We, we've done it before and I don't know. It, yeah. It's okay. so, so when I played devotion at an invitational, I was I was trying to make it be a turn three deck. Right. And granted, that was like with once upon a time yes. and, and stuff like that. So. Uh, also had like Karn Lattice, you know, and now I agree with you. It is like a little bit slow, but it just. It's just like, why? Why does this card exist? Who is it serving? I just think of like all the moments on coverage, for example, where, you know, someone casts a spell and everyone's just like, they can't cast that. They tap the wrong lands or whatever. And it's right. like there's an herb board or like they tap a fetch land. And it's like you can't tap fetch lands for mana. It's like there's an herb board, right? There's just like so many things like that where it's like, why? Why are we doing more of this? I, I had an experience at the PT where a teammate was watching a game of mine and I'm just playing in a fashion after the game. He's like, I have absolutely no idea why you would ever play that game like that in a million years. And I was like, my opponent had an Urborg. And he's like, oh, okay, now I understand. Yeah. <laughs> just no concept that I was on the other side of the battlefield and completely changed everything. So. Right. Maybe maybe pay attention, I guess, but like it's also so innocuous. Right. right? It's it's hard to track. Anyway, I'm I'm kind of upset, but like whatever. It's fine. I like fine-tuning mana bases to the point where, you know, this will make it fun for me to see where I can have this show up and stuff. But at the same time, I'm just like, I, I just wish that this wasn't here. It's not gonna be like you know, format ending or anything. It's just annoying. It's like, why? Low fun factor. I'll say that. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think this is a particularly resonant card in commander circles, but I, I don't pretend to know exactly what that player base is looking for. So same. All right. Onto the reprints real quick. I'm going to list all the ones that I thought were like pretty relevant. And then if you want to talk about anything specific, we could jam that out. Sure. Hit me. Enchantress's presence, Sterling Grove, Solitary Confinement, Upheaval, Flame Rift, Korean Ranger, Imperial Recruiter, Goblin Bombardment, Patriarch's Bidding, Zurin Orb. Some of these, like Solitary Confinement, 
upheaval, patriarch's bidding, flame rift. I'm just more instances of like why. Yeah. Like if this Wish is if this is good, it's bad, right? Uh, I'm more so a little bit concerned about like solitary confinement. That one seems like easy enough to make happen, and enchantment removal is more common certainly, but it's still like a weird card type to want to have to fight. Things like upheaval, patriarchs bidding are probably just like a little bit too slow to matter in general. But like if they are good, it's it's very annoying. Uh, so I don't know. Some some of these reprints I like. Some I really don't. Uh, I think you did a good job summing up my thoughts on these cards. Probably the one I'm most excited about is Kuriron Ranger. Now I I say that because I like playing with the card. I don't think it's a great card to have exist in the format. I think it's finicky and weird and kind of annoying. Yep. Um, but I like that. I, I guess I'm sick like that. Um, and I'm curious to see if there's weird stuff you can do with this. Obviously, the first home is just going to be like doing elf stuff, which is fine. Like I said, I, I'm happy if there is more tribal representation uh, in the modern format. So that's good. But I want to know if you can get up to more shenanigans with it. Uh, the idea of Zuran Orb balancing someone again is very exciting to me. Uh, that is something I did in my first ever magic tournament. And Zoran Orb was such a important card at that point in time, which is weird to say because it seems so, so innocuous now uh, and probably will be. I, I don't expect Zoran Orb to be a, a game changer or anything, but there's some weird stuff you can do with it, including comboing with restore balance. So I may look at doing those type of shenanigans. Um, I, I, sh was... I should have had one in my Goblin Engineer deck. I actually don't know if it was like previewed by then or not, but. It does seem like a really good bullet for Goblin Engineer, War of Invention, whatever. Sure, yeah. And if, if it's able to just be an effective hate card in one particular matchup, I, I think that's fine. Uh, we used it in every matchup back in the day. I believe it was a main deck card most of the time. We were not good at deck building. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I'm happy to see a lot of these cards. The Enchantress stuff is scary to me, and I've played actually a bunch of Legacy Enchantress. Yep. Uh, and like mostly liked the experience from the player side uh playing against this deck though is not something you should wish in any format i think it's not going to be good enough and i do think the answers are broad enough uh stuff like you know assassin's trophy is out there very very wide ranging answers I would know. vanishing verse now too vanishing verse is a good one yep uh so there's probably enough to keep it in in check but yeah I, i'm with you why i i think there's more interesting stuff you could have grabbed yeah i do i do like imperial recruiter uh i think that opens the door for some new designs and then looking at stuff like this it's cool that you have like the new hierarch instead of the old one because it it makes green and red mana uh so casting things like kiki jiki is more palatable right okay yeah. so it's it's like okay cool this this deck building thing sort of comes together uh but i'm also just like well I don't know. I'd rather the the hierarch be like a more inspired design, I suppose. But yeah, Kiki Kiki Jiki's a big winner here, right? Like that's it is that's a pretty big deal. Uh, Korean Ranger works very well with Fauna Shaman, by the way. Yep, I don't I've know done if, that before. I don't know if that pushes it into the realm of playability, you know, but you can do that if you want. All interesting, all stuff that I I hope works, and again, stuff that I think like. If you're doing some of some more of that finicky creature stuff, it, it's good for modern. Yes.
Uh, we're about halfway through the set, too, by the way. In terms of total previews. Correct. So there's, okay. there's a lot more coming still. So it's interesting. I, I saw, now that you say that, it makes sense. When I saw the number of cards previewed today, it's 263 cards. And I was like, wait, we're already done? I feel like we just started preview season. That must be all the variants that that captures. Uh, so if you if you look at Mythic Spoiler, it's like 157. It's it. 158 out of 303. Okay. Yeah, so almost exactly halfway through. Uh, I don't know. You want to give our, our midway grades? Where do you where do you rate this one right now? Uh, hold uh, on. We have a we have a new card that we should probably talk about. Oh, okay. Uh, Timeless Witness. Two GG, two one creature human shaman. When this enters the battlefield, return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Eternalize five GG. So maybe, maybe not great. Yeah, but I, I think Eternal Witness is going to do everything. This card is. If you want, if you want more of them, that are a little bit more expensive. Yeah, you tend to just like make your own more of them via ephemerate or something like that. So, but you got to draw uh, the first one though, man. That's the thing. You do, you do. That's true. Uh, maybe if this was in historic, I would be really excited about it. But I, I think you just generally want internal witness over this vast majority of the time. Yeah. So one fifty eight out of three hundred three. That uh, is not counting. I would assume like the MH one. Uh, old border reprints, right? Which is probably what your thing is counting. Okay. Yep, that makes some sense. Yeah, uh, grade? In in what regard? Let's go excitement level. How excited are you about Modern Horizons 2 right now? Last couple of days has been good for previews to yep. get me thinking about, you know, decks and the format and stuff like that. And, you know, fun is time and magic for me. I don't think that I could necessarily be bogged down buy stuff like this uh like if, if previews happened literally every day for like different formats i would not be upset about it i would probably not get burned out. so i don't know man i i'm liking this this is you know make making me think it's keeping me engaged as far as like uh should this set exist i i still like the idea of a modern horizons type set i do feel like there's a lot of stuff here that only exists because you have to fill a 300 card set Whereas if you had something like an anthologies and you got to fit in like 20 or 30 of the coolest cards you actually thought would impact modern in a positive way, that would be better for the format as a whole. But whatever. I don't know. I think this is maybe weaker than MH1 as far as like getting my brewing juices flowing, but it's good. You listen to me right now. You either give me a goddamn number between one and ten, <laughs> or I am not coming back from this vacation. That is it. I went between one and ten. How excited are you? Otherwise, I'm done. Can, can I ask some follow-up questions? No. No. Uh, no. Follow Just give me the freaking number. Seven. Thank you. Six point five for me. Okay. Game. Good luck.